With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Fulham, the visitors to St. James's Park on Saturday as Newcastle United look to get back to winning ways following three consecutive defeats. But how easy will it be for Eddie Howe to pick up a side following thumpings of Everton and Spurs? And that last gasp defeat to AC Milan, which resulted in Newcastle being dumped out of Europe altogether. I'm Andrew Musgrove, and as usual, joined by John Gibson. Let's get on with the show. John, first things first, we're all hurting after last night, but just how much will the players be feeling it? Oh, they'll be decimated. They'll be low in the snake's belly. That that is the problem for Eddie Howe. He's got so little time to pick them up in... um, Get the morale high, uh, get self-belief back because three defeats the way they were, leaking goals for fun, um, is going to have put a bit of self-doubt in with all the injuries that are around as well. And it's going to be a big job because the next two games, never mind what comes afterwards, is, uh, that's crucial as well. But unless we start picking up points, which means beating Fulham, because, OK, we've got some other matches like Forest and Luton to come, but then in the new year, we've got matches like Man City and Liverpool to come in the Premier League. So we've got to, we are back in the supporting pack that's thundering down the Derby straight after doing Tottenham Corner. But there's others in front of us. And unless we start picking up three points, three points, three points, it's okay saying well, we've been in Europe and that was wonderful and we'll be in it again next season. But will we? If we don't, we must beat Fulham. And after that, it goes without saying that if we don't beat Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, the season's imploded and it isn't Christmas because we've only got the FA Cup left. And this a wonderful season full of enthusiasm and we know what, you know, the mitigating circumstances about injuries. But the season's over by Christmas if we lose the next two games. Wow, that's some way to put it. And I don't think you'll find many people disagreeing with you. In the dressing room, John, ahead of the Fulham game and you know around the training ground over the next couple of days, what do you think Eddie Howe's message will be following on from the defeat to EC Milan? Well, I, I think it's going to be something like, you deserve better as players, the fans deserve better than this season imploding and I need better for my for my sake and the sake of the way this club is going, etc., etc. Because I've got the greatest sympathy for Newcastle's injury list. We've banged on on these podcasts, haven't we? Numbering anybody from 10 to 14 being out of particular games. But, and that's all well and good, and that's a huge factor in being shattered late in games. All that's true. What is also true is that we can't man-manage a game. Uh, I mean, it is naive to go out the way we went out. There's no ifs or buts about that. Quality sides do not uh, go out in the way that we went out. This was named the group of death, and it was exactly that. Now, the difference was um, you had the streetwise guys 
and you had the new boys. And the other three clubs were streetwise. All had played in Champions League finals. Milan had won the trophy seven times. Dortmund had won the trophy. And PSG have played in the final. And we were the new kids on the block. And frankly, we played exactly like that. On the plus side, we had the wild enthusiasm and the, and, and the great belief and the great desire. And on the other side of it, we just got our pockets pinched. Were you disappointed with the way that he tried to set out the game, Eddie Howe? I mean, he said in his press comments afterwards that it's always been his kind of mantra to want to win every game. But do you think in hindsight he will be looking at it, John, and thinking maybe I should have tried to shut up shop? I've, I'm not certain he'll think that. But, um, you know, yes, I am bitterly disappointed in the, in the way we got knocked out of Europe because... A lot of people think everything is black and white, and I mean that not as a pun about Newcastle United, but what life is all about. They think you're either an attacking team, in which case you go crazy and you all get on charges and rush over the halfway line at 100 miles an hour, the whole lot of you, you in that you have an overlapping goalkeeper. And then the other people think that if you if you don't do that, you must be an ultra-defensive side sitting on the edge of your 18-yard box and saying, have a go at us for an hour and a half. No, you're not. Good sides can combine them both. People like Paisley and Cluffy, Ferguson and Wenger, do you think they would? They couldn't defend as well as attack, and they they attack beautifully. The Invincibles. Do you think the Invincibles never closed down games at certain moments when that become necessary? They also didn't win titles by being def- defensive. By the way, they could attack. You don't have to be either an attacking side or defensive side. You can have that beautiful mix. And I felt at times in the second half last night. AC Milan were streetwise. We were clever. They stayed in the shape. They committed naughty fouls. They slowed the game down. They they ruffled your hair after sticking you on the deck. They kept the shape. They didn't go gung-ho. They needed the result as well. They didn't go gung-ho. They went about it cleverly. We didn't go about it cleverly. You know, I mean, I'm I'm looking at it and I'm not... I, I love Newcastle to be an attacking side. I hated the boost side that was defensive. But I want to mix. You know, if we get to a certain stage of a game late on, you still haven't got a goal for defensive, but you can what you have, you can hold. Look at us against Liverpool. We're only defeating the Premier League at home. With 10 minutes to go, we're leading 1-0. There's 11 men playing 10, and we get we don't give away a point. We'll give away three points to two goals scored by a sub. How naive can you get? I'm watching that game last night. We we had lost the Champions League unless we scored a goal, and that was awful. But we had Europa League football. That was in our pocket. That was ours. What did we do? We, we tried to win so much that Shaw's playing on the edge of their box and giving the ball away. Before we know it's in the back of our net. Now, is that professional? Is that commendable because we're trying to attack? Or is it stupid because we're attacking like schoolboys in a play yard? Um, and I think it. I think it's the latter. I think you can be clever and I think you can attack. And by the way, it, it, it's right that, you know, we're, we're trying to win the game. But just if you keep the door locked at the back instead of it swinging open on its hinges, it doesn't mean you can't still attack and, and score the goal. What it means is you're keeping your shape. What it means is midfield players are playing midfield and people at the back are playing at the back and coming out with a ball at the feet while somebody from midfield drops in. It's called nous. It's called game management. We abandoned that last night. We abandoned it against Liverpool. And it's costing us in them... We've got to learn, and I think we will learn. And the best sides in Europe attack, but they're not gung-ho. Mm, they defend as well, and you're right, yeah, they didn't see the game yeah. out in the way that they should have done. Now, Eddie Howe has talked about kind of moving on, of course, the quick turnaround, Fulham on Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff. How easy, easy is it, though, for those players to move on? Because all the criticism that we're giving, and we'll be clear, the criticism is about the game, not the wider picture. You know, we can't fault the efforts of uh, the lads, especially over the last few weeks, given the injuries, but they are quite ra- rightly criticisms about the way they saw the game out. 
given that, they'll be aware of it. I imagine quite a few of them will be feeling and understanding the criticism that's coming their way, i.e. why didn't we see the game out? When you consider that, how easy is it then to get over last night in time for Fulham, given it's two days away? I think for the first time, it is very, very difficult. I think we've always had a reason. We've always said, well, we lost. You know, we always, for example, if you take recently, you say, well, we lost at Everton and we lost at Spurs and we lost badly, but we're a good side at home and we're now coming home, so we'll be all right. And and you can pick up on that if you're a player and say, that's right, that's right, we will be all right. And we started off in that vein. Uh, in in the match with AC Milan, we started off believing that, but what? But having had our trousers taken down at home, and we lost, by the way, two of our three home games in the Champions League, um, which shows that there's a lot of lessons to be learned once we step up from the Premier League to the most elite of all competitions. We lost two out of three, and at home is what we're all about. And by the way, the one we lost at home in the Premier League wasn't against an elite club, Liverpool. So we're not handling the elite situations, even at home, as well as we should. Now, what the problem is now for Eddie, and I'm with him 100% and I'm desperate for it to go right against Fulham, is that he's got to put some belief in them, but he hasn't got something to, to put before them and saying, that's why he'll be all right on Sunday. Because after the two away defeats and we let in seven goals and scored one, he could say, ah, lads, but we're coming home. And we know what we're like with 50,000 Georges. I said all this in my chronicle piece for pre-match. Uh, the, my biggest, and I said it on the podcast, as you know, Andrew, the, my biggest belief in why we would get through was because we were here with 50,000 and it lifts us. And both the crowd and the team started like that. And at half time, it was like that. But we were 45 minutes. It's off time we were in the last 16. By the another 45 minutes went, we weren't in anything. And now, how naive is that? And it is very difficult because what do you give the players to hang on to now? You can't say, oh, lads, we're at home, we'll be all right, because we've just been at home and we weren't all right. And you can't say, well, you've had a nice rest, so you're revigorated. And it is it is very difficult. You've just got to give them a Churchillian speech, which is not necessarily Eddie's way of doing things, and telling them that you're better than this, you deserve better than this as a bunch of players, but there's only you can do something about it as a bunch of players. And you should be doing it not only for the fans, but for yourselves, you should, each needs to look inside himself and do it for himself. This on Saturday, and by the way, in the cup that follows, this is where it's determined mentally who are men and who are boys. I don't mean age-wise, I'm talking about mentally. This is when these two games will decide each individual who is the boy and who is the man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it sounds like what you're saying is maybe that the game against AC Milan was kind of a, a bit of a buffer, i.e. maybe like if they were feeling tired and feeling fatigued, they, they you use that AC Milan game as a bit of a carrot and stick kind of notion and look what's coming up, this is it. Now, could the same not work on Saturday for the game against Chelsea or is it massively no, different? Because one's the, the elite competition and one's, with all due respect, the lesser cup competition in yeah. England. But, but, but now the Chelsea game, not Fulham, the Chelsea game is bigger than AC Milan was because we can win a trophy. And he should remind them, it's still 54 years since we won a trophy. We weren't going to win the Champions League. This is probably the the the, um, the pre-match talk for Chelsea, not for Fulham. You, hey, we might be out of the Champions League. Everybody might be decimated on time side. You're decimated. We're decimated. Pressure decimated, everybody's decimated. But will they be decimated at the end of this season if we are parading a, a trophy for the first time in 54 years around St. James's Park? 
and and this is as close as you can get to that because win this and you're in the semi-final but that's the talk for next tuesday that's not going to help against fulham because if you said that before fulham they'd all say oh quite right I'm going to keep me powder dry until Tuesday. I'm going to be in that side. And so you, would, you wouldn't get the result against Fulham. Uh, but that's what's left for them. It's, maybe it's only domestic. Maybe it's less glamorous than the Champions League, the League Cup. But I tell you what, it's a trophy. And if we win it at Wembley, a lot of what's happened in the Champions League will be forgotten because we've won a first trophy in 54 years. And perhaps next season we'll do great in Europe. But... We cannot go in against Fulham and just not win. It was not good enough. Because if we want to be in Europe next season, we don't get in automatically because we've been there in this season. We've got to qualify in. We're in danger of not qualifying. Mm. Yeah, and I guess you can't even really use the, the competition elements in terms of the playing squad because he still hasn't no. really got the options. And look, we're, we're coming in and recording this ahead of Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday morning. And there is a worry over Anthony Gordon, who came off against AC Milan. Eddie Howe said uh, he felt a kind of a tightness, um, awareness was the word he used, uh, in his hamstring. And he said he couldn't play at the level that Anthony Gordon's been playing at recently. So that is a, that's a massive concern. Obviously, Kieran Trippier suspended. So you, you would think there'll be a couple of changes um, there. Probably Dan Byrne coming in at left back and Livermento coming over at right back. It, it didn't work against AC Milan. Of course, the context of that is Dan Byrne coming back for the first time in weeks and the players were, were shot and trying to you know win the game. Uh, but I mean, we'll start with Anthony Gordon before we get on to the changes potentially in defence, uh, John. We, we said it before the AC Milan game, but if Gordon's missing, you know, that is, it's, a, it's a huge blow. I mean, we'll just be kind of repeating ourselves, but, he, you know, I thought he played all right against AC Milan and and you, you do, you are worried because even with a hamstring injury, he still looked one of the most energetic players on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, he, he epitomises everything that's good about Newcastle this particular season and he's crucial to... to everything that might happen. The interesting thing on Saturday, we worry about Gordon not being there, and rightly so, but I'm worried about see what I see it deep inside every single one of those 11 who kick off on Saturday, whoever they are, they're on trial for me, I don't mean long-term or the future at Newcastle or anything like that, but we need to see a response. We've gone through three games where Newcastle weren't recognisable. They were recognisable for 45 minutes against AC Milan, but the minute they scored the equaliser, you're thinking, I up, and then naivety came into it. And there was a lot of... Gordon, as you say, was one of the pluses. There were other pluses, uh, Young Miley, etc., etc. But, I mean, there was plenty of minuses. I mean, I was concerned about Almiron. I was concerned about uh, Callum Wilson, who I felt wasn't really at the races. And, you know, there's people I know, fans, who say when Callum Wilson isn't scoring goals, what's he doing? That's oversimplification. But um, I know basically where they're coming from. He, he didn't involve the two centre-halves too much and they were very vulnerable at the centre of defence because they didn't have their normal centre-halves available. Um, Isaac come on and did okay out wide but there's a lot of, you know, we look at what Lascelles is producing, Livermenko, is he finding that, you know, playing regularly the highly intensive level it's catching up just a bit it's super 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 young player but is it catching up a little bit i mean there's an awful lot of players with dubrovka i mentioned the goalkeeper huge question marks against him uh i mean he's let in nine goals in in three games i'm not saying they were they were his fault you know, all of them or anything like that but he doesn't look the big presence that Nick Pope is. And he's playing for um, his future, which will either be a permanent number two at Newcastle, a transfer out of the club, or number one. And there's absolutely no chance of number one. I'm talking about number one for the rest of the season. Because in January, he'll be replaced unless performances improve. Mm, yeah, again, I think a lot of people will agree with your sentiment there, John. And it's interesting that we, we, we spoke about the change at right back with Livermento coming over to a player, Skewan Tripper, who's suspended. And I think one of the big challenges for Eddie Howe 
and Jamal Lasalle to sort out on Saturday, and this is where Martin Dubravka really has to earn his money as well, is the organisation of the defence. And I think it's fair to say since Dubravka's come in, the defence hasn't looked as solid. And I wonder if that's because Nick Pope is at home giving the messages out and getting everyone set. You've also got Kieran Trippier on the right, but you haven't on Saturday. And it was noticeable that when Trippier went off against DC Milan, the shape seemed to get even worse and, you know, it didn't look as one. And that's a big challenge. You know, Lascelles is going to have to step up even further. He's been a great captain. He's He's, he's gone up a level since coming in, but he's going to need others around him. And I did, did feel once Trippier went off against DC Milan, he was the only leader on the pitch, Lascelles, and others others have got to step up. And it's crucial that everyone with a say, you know, with the chance, have to get that defence absolutely solid on Saturday because Fulham scoring goals for fun. Oh, oh! I mean, their last two games have won 5-0, both of them. They've had a week's rest while we haven't. Uh, and even before that, although they, they lost, they scored 16 goals in their last four games. And they're going to attack a defence which has Dubovka and goal. And whatever we say about uh, other players, when we had the, the great defence that was producing clean sheet after clean sheet, Botman was in everybody there can be an upgrade on. And they're not an upgrade just because it's a whim of picking a name out of the hat. Pope is a better goalkeeper than Dubovka. Botman's a better centre-half than themselves. Now, that doesn't mean Lascelles won't do a good job when he's called upon, but it'll not be as good as Botman's over a period of time. Not a one-off game. And neither will Dubovka be as good as Pope. It, it, they're just not. And uh, Otherwise, they would be the number one today. They used to be the number one in the, in the old dark days and very good number ones as by the level we were at then. We're not at that level anymore. And I'm not meaning, for example, the Pope and whoever, long-term, will not be topped by somebody else that's even better because that's what the name of growing means in a football club. Um, but Lascelles isn't Botman and, and Dubrovka's not Pope and Newcastle are, are suffering and they've got to get that back right. And as you said, it's probably going to be Lefamenko and... Um, and uh, burn. You've then got to look at the centre halves and say, do you stick with the two lads that we've had recently, or do you, in desperation, when I, I, I turn to craft and dumbism? But that's what we're looking at. We've we've got the limitation of perhaps Longstaff coming in if he's fit and he doesn't look quite fit, but it, it, he's an option. We've got that option. We've got the option of burn coming in. But once we, we deal with that, we're looking at Kraft and, and Richie and Dummett, all of whom could have easily gone in the summer. They, they're, they're not anywhere in the pecking order at all. But that's your alternative for the other one. The Invisible Man, which is Lewis Hall. And what's going off with Lewis Hall? I've got no idea. But £35 million for a teenager in the summer committed to, to give in to Chelsea and you can't get a sniff of a game in a crisis, an injury crisis that we've got now. There's something going off there mm. because it's not sitting right that whatsoever. You would think in our current situation he would be given the chance to operate in the way that, that Miley and Levermanko have coming from nowhere into the team and doing well and looking the sort. This is, never mind his 18, this is a £35 million signing. Who can't get a kick? What's yep. that all about? Well, I wonder, I wonder whether there's a chance he could play at left-back on Saturday and Dan Byrne could potentially move into the middle alongside either Lascelles yep. or Pierre, both who looked absolutely done, done in. I think you've got more chance potentially seeing that happen rather than dumb it and craft. But it, it's going to be interesting and, and we'll speak ahead of the game uh, uh, next week against Chelsea. But it's certainly going to be interesting because obviously Lewis Hall can't play in that game. And Eddie Howe has made the changes where dumb it and craft have come in against City or uh, Manchester United. But, but whether maybe he might make the changes against Fulham to then ensure the likes of Cher, maybe Lascelles, or fit to face Chelsea. I think that's probably one of the, the questions that, that's going to be asked of it, of how's team selection. What do you think he'll do? Do you think he'll prioritise Saturday in terms of, you know, the players who, who need a rest might 
play Saturday and be rested Tuesday? I know what it's you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. You're going to go. The next game's always the important one, but at this this can be once where it isn't. I mean, I, I I am worried about players mentally dismissing the Fulham game and saying, well, you know, we've got another X number of games over the season. We can play catch up later on when we get some people fit, and after Christmas we could be playing one game a week. Apart from the FA Cup, which is not midweek anyway, it's on a Saturday. We could be playing one game a week, so we'll catch up on on our Premier League points. In don't get too far behind, else you'll not be in Europe next season. That's the biggest thing. But the most important game right now is Chelsea, because it is the semi final. If you win, you can actually win a domestic. And I tell you what, if Eddie is worried about his popularity going from sky high. To slightly further down, then A, lose the League Cup time, it drops a lot more, but B, win the League Cup and you're back on top of Gray's Monument because all, all everybody's talking about is the fact you won the first trophy in 54 years. So that is a game that is now, because of what happened against AC Milan, absolutely massive. But of course, as you say, anyhow, will, at least in public, make sure Saturday is the priority. And, you know, a win on Saturday, you start building a bit more momentum up. You get Newcastle out of this horrible rut that they're in, form-wise. And, you know, it's not going to be easy, though. Fulham are playing without any issues. They're playing with freedom, no baggage. I've spoken to a Fulham fan for the View from the Opposition episode, and he's loving life. He is, a, you know, he's praising Marco Silva. I asked him to name who their biggest strength is, who the, who their main man is, and he named four or five. You know, they are really on a on a wave of positivity. And Marco Silva would have watched last night against AC Milan, and he would have come to two or three conclusions. One, which isn't a secret, but Newcastle United's players are absolutely knackered. B, Eddie Howe isn't likely to change too much because he can't, and even those returning, the likes of Longstaff. Uh, and Dan Byrne, they look knackered when they when they did eventually get introduced, and 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 see if they defend like they did against AC Milan against us, i.e. Fulham. I can hit another three or four or five goals here. Oh, uh, I mean, it is. I mean, I'm lowering the snake's belly, and I often can uh, look at the positives and say, this is why I believe Newcastle win on Sunday. Now, the only reason I could believe Newcastle win on Sunday is because cut me open and the heart's black and white. It would have nothing to do with logic or with the head, because I've seen nothing in the last three games. I saw something in the first 45 minutes against AC Milan, but that went missing in the second half. We didn't see any of that. We just saw naivety. And the thing is, you look at them at the end of the game, it was like losing a cup final, wasn't it? They were, they were absolutely distraught, each and every individual. And I feel that Eddie is exactly the same way. Eddie's got to pick up himself before he can go and front the players up and pick them up, because he's got to look positive. Otherwise, the doubts that are already there creep in even further. Um, and, you know... This is, an, this is a cruel game. You can't feel sorry for yourself. It's only a few weeks ago we were beating Manchester United, Arsenal and Chelsea comfortable at St James's Park and we're riding on a crest of a wave and we were all saying this is the most amazing, sensational story I've ever known because against all the odds, we're doing a rocky. We're smacking the big lads when we should be on, on the bones of our backside and we're not. Isn't this wonderful? Three games later, the ceilings caved in. We, we've lost 7-1 against Everton and, and Spurs. Spurs, who had lost 4-5 when we played them, by the way. And then AC Milan look as, look, make us look like a bunch of schoolboys, not because they play well, but because they're so much craftier. I mean, they were, they, were, they were slow and play down. They were committing fouls when it was necessary, just so they could regroup. And, of course... Um, ruffling the hair of the bloke that was lying on the deck. Sorry, guys. Oh, boom, boom, boom. And on the get. They were the typical Italian side masters. We are supposed to be masters of the dark arts. I don't think so. Uh, I, I think they looked exactly that. And um, 
we've got to learn to be a little more streetwise and a little more unforgiving because, we're, you know, it's Christmas, but you haven't got to go bearing gifts for everybody that comes to visit you. And, and we're doing that at the moment. You don't have to be negative. You don't have to be defensive to to see games out. You've got to be clever. And you only see games out at the death. You still play the way you play the rest of the game. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Saturday is a totally different ball game, isn't it? But I just, I worry. Everybody was up for for the Wednesday night. The crowd, you know, listened to what Eddie had to say pre-match and, and rose to the challenge. Not that they ever need any encouragement. The display was fantastic, and I would say for the first four or five minutes or so, it worked. And Newcastle looked like the Newcastle of old. But I just wonder how the atmosphere is going to be on Saturday. I think it's going to be a nervous atmosphere and I think that will impact things and you can't blame anyone for, for being nervous. You and I will be sitting there, you know, fearing the worst if Fulham do yeah. get get an early goal. And look, we're sitting here as well and I apologise to our listeners and viewers for, for sounding negative and being a bit, little bit down the dumps, but I am really worried about Saturday and I think a lot of people will be and I think a lot of people who go on Saturday will be thinking in the moments before kick-off I, I can't call this. Fulham are scoring goals for fun. Newcastle are on this road to nowhere at the moment. And I I think that will impact it. And I am I am scared, John. I am. I'm I'm I've just said I'm I'm fearful. Yeah, it, it, it will impact on the game. It will be a nervous game. We're not gonna run away from them and, and score a barrel load of goals. It is going to be tight and it's going to be nervous and it's it's going to be tight unless Fulham make it not tight by, by running away from us. But also, can you imagine the impact on Chelsea if we don't win on Saturday? And, you know, we, we've had the games we've had, three defeats, and that's either four defeats or three defeats in a draw, then that's not the way to go to play to get in the semi-final of a cup, away from home when there's no replays and it's all got to be settled on the day. And we are so much better in Chelsea. How long goes it since we beat Chelsea four up here? No length of time whatsoever. But in at that stage, you think, oh, we've just got to go down there and get the cigars out and play the way we can't play. And an hour off later, we're in the semi-final dream of Wembley again. It's not like that now. But Chelsea still remain what Chelsea are, which is a far from an elite side. Um, but there again, we aren't... You know, Aston Villa might be looking at us and saying, crikey, Newcastle were last season as good as we are this season. We've got to hope we aren't like them next season. Um, because this is what can happen to a club, albeit with a lot of... If bad luck, and I, I still go on about that. We've had atrocious luck and all the injuries. It isn't surprising that it's caught up on our low. We were hoping that it wouldn't, and somehow we were creating miracle after miracle after miracle. That is no longer proven to be possible. And I accept that, and I find it easier to accept, Andrew, when we're not naive into the bargain. But, you know, it, life is hard enough at the moment without us going gung-ho and, and, you know, having Shaw attacking their penalty area. And 30 seconds later, everything's lost because the ball's now in there. And I'm not just uh, I'm not just blaming uh, Fabian Merriway, who's done great for us. Also, it would, would be nice to have a, a, a midfield that sometimes just keeps its shape. Um, we don't keep it. We, we just... It's like the charge of the light again. We just charge on their box late in the game. I mean, for goodness sake, you look at January the 1st. When January the 1st comes, we will, in all probability, need to sign a goalkeeper, need to sign a number six, and need to sign a centre-forward. Priority. And that we could do with a lot more. But do we go without a keeper? Our midfield is a decent midfield, and we've got Willock in, in uh, to come in at and Anderson, but we could often with an anchor in there, because at the moment we're getting blown all around like confetti, and we've talked about a number nine for a while. So there's there's plenty of work to be done. Mm, and I wonder if the exit from the Champions League in the fashion that Newcastle went out maybe also either focuses minds when it comes to the transfer market, or maybe even points them in a different direction in terms of maybe the quality or position. It's certainly going to be an interesting window. And you mentioned there the midfield, John. 
I think there's a chance Longstaff comes in for Lewis Miley. I, I did think Newcastle suffered when Miley went off, but I do think Longstaff will come in and play alongside Bruno and Joe Linton. I don't know about, about your thoughts. Yeah, I think that'll probably happen. I think Miley's been terrific. We talked about, or I did, a talk about that happening against AC Milan and it didn't because Longstaff wasn't 100%. I don't think he's 100% now. But neither has Isaac been and, and neither has one or two others been that have been forced into into taking part. Miley is going to be wonderful. We talked about that on the last podcast. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. But it's incredible. We're almost relying on a 17-year-old to pull all the season pros through at the moment. And, uh, you know, that's a little bit about putting the cart before the horse. He is going to be a wonderful player. And if he stays in the side against Fulham, that's all right by me. But we need changes. We're no long stuff is loved when he's 100% fit, is loved by Eddie Howe uh, because of the work he does box to box and the, the breaking up. And he's the nearest we can get to a six. He's the nearest that's got natural defensive abilities because Bruno may be capable, but all he can see is the, the red mist and let's charge forward if the occasion demands. And therefore, there's not a lot of discipline in his game like there is in Longstaff's game. I mean, Bruno, and I love him to death, but he wants to be the hero on the white charger. Um, you know, sometimes you need somebody with dirty knees and uh, Longstaff will do, will do that job. Um, I'm also concerned about centre-forward. It's a long time. We talk about them scoring 16 goals in four games and might over the half. It's a long time since we've looked like having a centre-forward who can score goals and will score goals. And you think at the beginning of the season, Isaac and Wilson were both in the top scorers' charts in the Premier League. Both of them. In, they were never playing together. One, Either one or the other was starting. Um, neither look certain to score the, at the moment. And, you know, we desperately need one of them, if not two of them, to start firing again because... We have played without the centre forward that looks like scoring goals for a few matches now. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they're getting too much service either, but they're both, I mean, Isaac looks very off the pace. Everyone knows what our thoughts are about how he's had to be rushed back. And, and Wilson, again, not looking at his self, but maybe he's also come back a little bit beyond time because the call was there for him to do so. And, and you know, if they're able to play, they will play because they want to play for this club. I guess on that, John, anyone that watched Isaac against AC Milan could see he just doesn't look himself. And I guess that's the one element that might change the midfield three. If Anthony Gordon is out injured, then Joe Linton will most likely go out onto the left. And then you would say Lewis Miley keeps his spot and he'll go Bruno... And, and, long and then, yeah. you know, and, and, and on that, on, on the other side, I mean, Miggy. Yeah, Miggy's struggling, struggling, struggling. His form's gone. He should have scored. That chance on the line's going to haunt him probably forever. But there you are. But yes. But it's interesting because we were talking about it earlier in the week about the lack of competition and the lack of players pushing you. And, 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 and obviously, look. That wouldn't that doesn't really impact the fact that he's missed an absolute sitter on the goal line. But the point is, no. overall, his performance has been well below what we've come to expect of him in the last season in a bit. But he goes into Saturday waiting for the team sheet to be pinned on the board. And if Gordon's injured and if Isaac's not feeling it, he knows he's in the starting oh, eleven. As to quite a few of them. Is a certainty, but in under those circumstances, yeah. because you know there's no Murphy pushing him. There's no chance of Barnes coming in on the left and Gordon going over to the right, which of course Gordon can do. Uh, so he's always worried about his position that way. At the moment, he's a knocking bet to get in because at least he'll try and he'll run about and he'll put in a lot of work rate, etc., etc. But bottom line. And I, I suspect, and I hope it's untrue, but I suspect that the Christmas post might have your abdication from being president of the Miggy fan club actually in the post on its way to head office. I, I hope not, but I suspect it might be too. He is looking, bless him, and I always, I always say bless him because he tries hard. He's got a smile on his face. He plays with a smile on his face. He runs all over the shop. 
But, you know, as I say, Shergar did and Usain Bolt did, but I don't want either outside right for Newcastle. I want a bit more quality, and he's not showing at the moment. He's gone back from being a goal-scoring winger to being a bloke that runs about. And, you know, we need him to get back to what fleetingly he was. He spent more time in his Newcastle career being the bloke that runs about, by the way, than the goal-scoring winger. But we need him to go back to that. We felt that he was perhaps getting out of his shell, that he'd benefit by house coaching, like so many others have, and we've now got a goal-scoring winger on, on our hands. I'm not so certain that's true. In fact, when we talk about everybody in the club has got an update on them, uh, available, if not in the club, in the transfer market, then Miggy has got to think, come the end of the season, it's not going to necessarily happen in January because everything cannot happen in January. But he's got to make certain he's not replaced at the end of the season. We've seen other people who who um, promised so much and then didn't de deliver, like Maxi, leaving the club. And the same can happen to Miggy. Miggy can become Maxi if he doesn't um, be careful. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I did resign from my position as the chair of the Miguel Almiron yeah. fan club a few weeks ago. Um but it was because I said he shouldn't have started, and so it was that was a totally different reason to why I might resign this time around. I don't think, even as Almiron's biggest fan, I can defend them for missing that chance um, on the line. I mean, you've got to use your right foot there. You know, at the very least, you slide in and hit it in the, the, the goal with your backside. But yeah, I mean, that one, as I say, will, will haunt him for, for a while to come. Uh, I guess just before I get your score, your result prediction, sorry, John, and we were talking about Newcastle needing an anchor. They're going to get a look at a man who would do the job brilliantly. Uh, that man is, of course, Polina in the middle of the Fulham midfield, caught by Bayern Munich in the summer. It looked like he was set to uh, join the German Giants and that fell through and he signed a new deal. He looks such a good player. If you're after a defensive midfielder, forget Calvin Phillips. Get on the phone uh, to this bloke's agent and get him signed up in the black and white of Newcastle United. Oh, absolutely. He is a dog's dinner. He is what you need. And uh, that was pulled by Bayern Munich uh, charging after him. And he was so disappointed. He was actually over there, wasn't he? He was actually over there to sign. And they, they, he didn't make the deadline for whatever reason. And there was talk that they would come back for him. Obviously, Fulham have given the contract because they're desperate to either A, keep him, or B, get top dollar from him because he's on a long-term contract. But he is the sort of player you want. I'm, I'm in your stable regarding Calvin Phillips. Um, the Calvin Phillips I used to watch at Leeds, I would have signed tomorrow. Uh, the guy that I, I was about to say I watch now, but I never can find him to watch him because he never plays, apart from when City put out a reserve side, which they did in a dead rubber match in Europe. Uh, but apart from that, he never plays. Now, there is a crucial... There's another thing. I talk about there's something up with Hall. I, you know, I sniffed something wrong with the Hall situation uh, without trying to second-guess what it is. I've got no idea. But there was something up with the Phillips situation. They paid massive money for Phillips, and you don't think they did that behind Pep's back. Pep is, has agreed to that. Pep won't touch him with the barge pole in the Premier League now, and yet he still gets in Southgate's England team, the main squad. Often. So there's something, and that's why I wouldn't sign him now, because whoever we sign now has got to hit the ground running, man. Hit the ground running. And after the length of time he's been out, it's like bringing Barnes back or it's like bringing Isaac back. And then we say, well, he's not up to speed and we can't expect him to be. He hasn't played for a while and it's going to take him a while. It's going to take Phillips a while to get up to, to speed if, if he goes out somewhere. And we haven't got a while anymore. We have not got a while anymore. We've got to have somebody that hits the ground. But I do think we'll need a six. We haven't, if all the midfielders we've got, and if you include Willock and Anderson in there with Joe Linton and Bruno, two current Brazilian internationals, Miley, who's going to be absolutely terrific, etc. All those lads, we haven't got somebody with a defensive mindset. That's got organisation and discipline. That doesn't lose his head and go chasing the ball and get caught out of position in good size, fill the hole you've left. 
we need somebody with discipline to play that position. And there's nobody in the club, all the midfield players we've got, that is an automatic six. No, I agree in all the reasons you've stated there about why you wouldn't go near Calvin Phillips or the reasons I wouldn't go anywhere near him. Because I think, as I've said on this podcast quite a few times, he's going to take weeks, if not a month, six weeks to get up to scratch, uh, to get up to scratch of an Eddie Howe side. That being said, as, as I did say on the podcast earlier with Aaron, if it's good enough for Eddie Howe and Dan Ashworth, then it's good enough for Newcastle United and uh, what do our opinions matter. And I'm, I actually think that'll be the large... Uh, view of, of quite a few Newcastle United fans who will have a bit of a moan, but if Eddie Howe signs it off, then they'll back the manager to the hill. All that remains to be done, John, is your prediction for Saturday against Fulham. How is this one going to go? Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. I've, I've worried about this all day because I knew you were going to ask because that's your job. You have to ask. And honestly, I can veer violently from one to the other. I can see his losing, which is unthinkable because of what happened against AC Milan, how low we are. I can see us battling for a draw, and my heart just says, please give up, we've got to win. Look at the 45 minutes against AC Milan, the first 45 minutes, not the second 45 minutes, and think, we can sneak it 2-1, we can, if we just play like that 45 minutes for 90 minutes, and it is at home, even though we've lost two out of three at home in the Champions League, we can win. And all those arguments in my head stand up. I could easily go for a, a defeat, a draw or a win and justify it in my mind. Nobody knows for certain what's going to happen. And by the way, I include Eddie Howe and every single player in that. Because did they know they were going to lose three at Everton? Did they know they were going to lose four at Spurs? Did they know they were going to get kicked out of EU completely against AC Milan? The answer is no, no, no. So, what you know... And they're the people inside the club. So what do we know? I mean, I'm desperate for it to be a win. I think it's possible. It draws the least I would accept. I think that's probable. And a defeat I won't even contemplate. No, thank you. I won't contemplate it. Otherwise, I will be lying down in a darkened room and won't see the League Cup tie if we lose at home to Fulham. I am going to go for a win. I probably expect a draw. But please, 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 please do not lose. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to just... I'm just going to have to say how I feel. I think... absolutely. ...are going to get beat. And I think they're going to get beat badly as well. And I'm sorry to our listeners, but that's just the way I'm feeling. I just think Fulham are on such a wave and Newcastle are tired, they're fatigued. I think as as much as Eddie Howe will try, as much as Jamal LaSalle will try, and as much as the fans will try as well, I think the squad will be feeling sorry for themselves. I think they'll be feeling down in the dumps. You throw in the fatigue elements, regardless of whether you think it's a it's a fair defence or not. And I just think all the elements are running against Newcastle for this one. And Fulham are scoring goals for fun. So I can see this being a 3-0, 3-1 victory to Fulham. Oh, can I ask you, just because I'm dead interested, Andrew, and I, by the way, as I said, I can follow that reasoning as well as, well as I can follow the reason for a draw in the hope for a win. I can follow all three. But if that is proves to be correct, and it could, how on earth do we go to Chelsea? And if, if we lose there, the season's finished, by the way, and, and until, because we're not going to make the top four in the Premier League and we're out the domestic cup and we're out Europe. So until we play Sunderland and perhaps try to win the FA Cup, which is a possibility, the season's over before Christmas. If that result happens against Fulham, do you expect us to win it and go to the semi-final of the Cup at Chelsea? No, I don't. And I, I think it is a defining period um, of the season. And it's really important that they do bounce back on Saturday. And like I said, I can't see it happening. And I think they probably will lose to Chelsea if that is indeed the result. But I don't agree that the season is then over. It looks bad. And you're in a row. But, <laughs> but, but, but what I think happens is they will then add players in January. I think they will add more than they were anticipating to do so, given the injuries in the, in the form. You're then getting players back like Harvey Barnes. You're then getting the likes of Isaac and Longstaff back up to scratch, Ali Anderson coming back in. And then I think what you'll see is a really strong finish to the end of the season. Now, 
Will that be enough for top four? Probably not. Will it be enough for the Europa League? I would like to think so. But I think getting everyone back, a few additions, and I think you will. I think you'll see the real Newcastle United towards the end of the season. And I'm hopeful that this tough little run that Newcastle United are going through, and it's only been a week, John. It seems like a lifetime, but it's only been a week. will be a distant memory. Well, uh, I mean, what is factual and can't be argued that the only thing left to play for that you can win after Chelsea is the FA Cup? Because we're not going to win the Premier League. You're talking about qualifying again. But the only thing we can win, having been last night at halftime, we were in four competitions. We were in the Champions League, we're in the Champions League running for next season and we're in the League Cup with the FA Cup still to come. Next Tuesday, we can be in one competition to win, that's the FA Cup, and looking to get as much as we can in the league. Now, I agree with all that can happen in January, and I also think what will be good, Andrew, is that we'll be playing, not that we want to do, but for the majority of the rest of the season, one game a week. You know, because we haven't got Europe in, in the FA Cups played on a Saturday. Yes, the odd uh, the odd league game will come in during the week, but in the main, in the main, we'll be playing one game a week, which is what we were doing last season when we were looked so marvelous. And I think that can happen. But you know what? If we don't take enough points against um, Fulham and what have we after that? We've got Forrest and Luton, uh, etc. If we don't get enough points, by January comes, we're then playing Liverpool and Man City. So we can be so far behind that four becomes an impossibility. Europa League remains a possibility. And the other thing, the, the conference or whatever, good gracious, I used to be in the conference with Gateshead, but it wasn't Europe, it was the conference. But I, I just don't want to be in that situation because catch-up can be too blinking difficult. And really, the top four, when you look at Liverpool, you look at Arsenal, you look at Man City... And you look at Aston Villa doing what we did last year, they're going to take some catching, you know, if we don't start winning. Now, I mean, if we don't start winning now, they are going to take some catching. But uh, let's not be over-optimistic, over-pessimistic. Let's be optimistic. Let's beat Fulham, go down in a, a better frame of mind to play Chelsea, who are no great shakes, and let's take it from there with decent league matches to come to win. But the famous song, It's Now or Never, it really is now or never. So there we go. Well, hopefully John's optimistic prediction for Saturday rings true and I am gladly proved wrong with my pessimistic view on uh, what's to come on Saturday afternoon. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Do head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news. And if you get the chance, please leave a rating and review on the podcast channel. Five stars would be excellent, but we'll take anything at this stage. Constructive criticism is allowed. For myself and John, we'll see you guys very soon.